It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, 20 years after Babylon 5's debut. This intro cast is a dream-given form. Its goal? To introduce the show to new fans by creating a place where new viewers and old alike can discuss the show peacefully. It's a port of call, home away from home for geeks, nerds, podcasters, and wanderers. British and Americans, wrapped up in minutes of audio downloads, all alone on the web. It can be a silly place, but it's our last best hope for intelligent analysis. This is the story of the first of the Babylon 5 intro cast. The year is 2014. The name of the show is Down Below. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Heidi. And I'm Elizabeth. Well, today we are once again pleased to be joined by one of the hosts of the Red Dwarf podcast and the brand new Oh No You Didn't podcast. Say hello to Shane. <laughs> hey, Shane. Hello there. Hey, Shane. I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, this <laughs> yeah, is one you of your favorites. Be back. Mm. What's Oh No You Didn't podcast? I was the podcast where we review the worst in science fiction. Oh, that's fantasy. right. Yeah, that's right. You know, and it's anything to do with uh, bad things. So it could be a bad TV series overall, a very, very bad film, or a really, really bad episode of a great TV series. Like which one? <laughs> um, like um, Believers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was an awesome episode now. Um, we um, put uh, Believers out last Sunday. However, it is spoilery. Do not listen to it if you're a newbie. Okay. Oh, good point. Okay. So do you consider that the worst episode of Babylon 5 then? One of the worst, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before we get started, I just wanted to say something about Season 2 sign-ups. I put the list out there, and I was kind of surprised at just how excited everybody was. But we're not going to accept sign-ups for Season 2 until July 20th at 12 noon Pacific. So if you have a episode you want, just send a prioritized list of episodes you'd like to request to mail at downbelowpodcast.com. Decided to do it this way to try to give people on who aren't on Facebook a chance to participate, and I don't know why you wouldn't be on Facebook. It's the best thing in the world, but you know, I've been getting messages every once in a while from people wanting uh, to be on season two, and it's like, just wait, just hold off. So we're trying to get the word out early so people have enough time to find out. We know how you know, it's easy to get behind on your podcast. So if you've already sent an email or made a comment, I'm going to try to, I'm going to ignore those. <laughs> so just resend it on July 20, 20th. Yeah. So we'll figure out, we'll start assigning them by preference and by the order received. Yes. So remember that July 20th, make sure you send the email and be careful with spoilers, folks. It's, I know it's, a lot of our listeners are old-time fans, and it's really easy. You know, you get excited and want to talk about the show, but I guess a good rule of thumb is if you wouldn't have known it watching the show for the first time when it was on the air, then don't say it, don't hint at it. There might be some stuff, you know, that is spoilery, but that we decide to include on the show, but let us decide that anyway. But we're looking forward to having all you guys as guests next season. So Yes, please sign up. Looking forward yeah. to it. <laughs> so we are here today to discuss episode 20 of season one, Babylon Squared. But first, 
Here's an ISN special report. ISN special report. And that is the situation here on Babylon 4, just days away from the grand opening of this luxury space station. The bad luck that followed the construction of... Wait, what's that? There's no disturbance here. You just heard Liana Limon's last report from the ill-fated Babylon 4, which disappeared four years ago. No one knows what happened to the station or the crew. That ends our retrospective on the Babylon stations. In related news, Sector 14 of the Epsilon system has been quarantined by Babylon 5 personnel. No news yet on the reason for this quarantine. However, it is the area in which Babylon 4 disappeared, so we will keep you updated here on ISN News. Babylon Squared originally aired on August 10th, 1994. It was directed by Jim Johnston, who last directed Eyes, and it was written by JMS. <laughs> August 10th, 1994, that was my 12th birthday. Well, <laughs> a happy birthday, Heidi, in retrospect. <laughs> happy 12th birthday, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was around the time I was starting the ninth grade. Well, <laughs> old. No um, comment. So, <laughs> yeah. For me. So, let's start with the recap. So, the episode begins with Sinclair, Garibaldi, and Ivanova about to have breakfast. Susan's the last to arrive. She's tired because CNC woke her up because they were picking up an unusual tachyon emission in Sector 14. And immediately, you know, whenever they start talking about tachyons in science fiction, especially Star Trek, it usually means time travel. What is tachyon? Oh, you know, I meant to look that up before the show because I've heard that phrase and I know it's like a real concept, but... I didn't know exactly what it meant. I'm not sure myself. I think, though, it's meant to be a um, theoretical particle that can um, travel faster than the speed of light, um, possibly travels backwards through time rather than forwards, or perhaps it travels backwards and forwards. I don't know. I know it's meant to be something like that. Yeah. Oh, makes sense then. That would involve time travel. Okay. Um... So she sent Alpha 7 to check it out, and it should be there in about three hours. And then Sinclair and Garibaldi play a joke on Ivanova. They convince her that she slept through breakfast so they could get her food. This is a really dirty trick. I know, and Sinclair was the instigator in it. And she gets mad at Garibaldi. I'm like, what about Sinclair? He totally, like, he did it the first Yeah, time. yeah, I know, exactly. Um, but you gotta love this scene, though, haven't you? Really? It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, he put her to it's sleep. It's just a lovely like... little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah Garibaldi had some dishes next to him. Yeah, they usually <laughs> had it planned. Just pulled it out of but, nowhere. Prep work. The amount of prep work that went into this. <laughs> I mean, Sinclair must have learned this technique when he was studying under the Jesuits and. <laughs> I had a word with Garibaldi when they, hey, we used to pull this prank when I was in Jesuit school. It, it really annoyed Ivanova. Let's do it. 
Well, and I like the the continuity of like we've seen her having a hard time wake up in the mornings before and stuff, and so it's nice to have that character continuity. Yes, I thought that um, Sinclair was serious at first. I was like, he's so boring. <laughs> oh my god, he's just telling this really boring story all of a sudden. Uh, I did not get it for a while. Yeah, I remember last time I watched the show, it was about 08, 09. I remember thinking, you know, some of the humor on this show doesn't really hold up. Maybe it was funny back in the 90s, but it's not funny now. But I think this scene worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny. It, it reminded me of a prank from The Office. Uh, <laughs> you don't really expect it try. from Sinclair. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and what's really good is that apart from a couple of lines, this has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. It's uh-huh. just a lovely character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if we'll see her getting Garibaldi back. That'd be cool if they just had a long-standing prank one-upmanship going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out in space, we see that Alpha 7 has reached his target and he's getting those Tachyon missions. Something is out there that he can't believe, and there's a flash of light when we go to opening credits. As he's like, oh, what is that? I'm shouting, Babylon 4! It's Babylon 4! <laughs> it can't exactly. be. <laughs> Finally! Finally, yes. We call it. <laughs> so yes. you don't want to quit then? I heard your predictions on last week's episode. You said if it had nothing to do with Babylon 4, you'd quit. So you're not quitting then. <laughs> well, I quit predicting it was going to be Babylon 4. <laughs> yeah, that was predicted in several episodes that so we'd find out we see Babylon 4 this season. So. Yay, Yay, something. We got to see something. <laughs> we got something right. Exactly. Well, of course, it raises more questions, so there you go. Yeah. So after the credits, they can't reach... Alpha 7, but they do know that it's returning to base. They got another burst of tachyon emissions when they lost contact with Alpha 7. Next, we see a shot, a scene with Delenn leaving the station. They offer her a pilot, and she says no, because some things you gotta do alone. (laughs) She's off to a mysterious rendezvous, (laughs) and she's sitting in the chair of reasonable comfort. Mm -hmm. It looks looks pretty nice, you know. What is so, like, are going to say about Spaceships this? are like cars. She can just drive it herself, I guess. Just <laughs> pushing the buttons. Well, you know, if Londo can do it, so can she. That's true. I learned watching Londo last week. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, if he could do it, clearly I don't need a pilot. <laughs> um, but where she goes, like, basically she has to go, when she goes through a jump gate, yeah. she has to go to another jump gate, right? Yeah, yeah you come, come out, out on the other side. Yeah. Do they know... I'm just wondering, do Babylon know where the other jump gate is, or does the, the ship communicate with the jump gate somehow? Yeah, does she program it in, or do they have to program it in? Um, I think the ship's... Well, um, the sh- I, I think I, I, the from, from pilots under- do it. Sorry, from what I understand, it's the ship that programs the jump gate, because it costs X amount of credits for the jump gate to activate, so the ship will get charged, so the company who owns the ship gets charged. Oh, it's otherwise, like a Sonic toll pass. Yeah, yeah otherwise, not, uh, sorry. otherwise Babylon 5 will keep getting charged for the constant use of the jump gate. <laughs> and they would know where everybody's going, too, Exactly. Which is kind of a private Exactly. Thing. And not only that, it's um, there are a multitude of jump gates. So you might go in one jump gate, but then have a, every, every ship will have 
perhaps have a slightly different route, or there are major shipping lanes that get you gets used uh, and things like that. Yeah. Well, she had a lot of triangles there too. <laughs> triangles everywhere. Triangles everywhere. Some Legos to keep her occupied on the trip. <laughs> yeah. I know they don't read books or anything. They just sit there. Space travel is very boring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some stars and pretty though. Back on B5, Clarence lets us know that Alpha 7 is coming in the scanner range. Oh my god, how different did Clarence look standing I know. up? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa, He's so Clarence. gangly. <laughs> I realize that I don't think we've ever been formally introduced to Clarence before he's been in a bunch of episodes, but he's played by Joshua Cox. I saw that he was in an episode of Revolution and a couple episodes of that show, Perception, from earlier this year. He was in a thir- 131 episodes of a show called Strong Medicine. He played a midwife. Oh, okay. No, I never watched that show, but I've heard of it. I've heard of it. And if you watch the first Thor movie, he played a frost giant. I think it was the one that Thor fought with at the beginning <laughs> really? of the movie. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> go Clarence. Yeah, go Clarence. He's just good. He had a lot of lines in this episode. Yeah. This is his debut, really. His major debut. <laughs> The ship is just sitting out there. There's no damage to the ship, but they can't get any life signs. Later, Garibaldi is briefing Sinclair and Ivanova. Turns out the pilot looked fine on the outside, but he had the body of a 90-year-old on the inside. I noticed this episode, there were a few times, it seemed like I noticed it more than normal, that the closed captioning was saying something different from what the actors were saying. It does that a lot. Yeah, it oh, does. Oh, I didn't do it for this episode. Oh, I know. Um, it, it from then. They just condense the just they just condense it right so they can fit it on the screen. I think they do a lot of condensing. Mm-hmm. Um. So about the he was like ninety years old. I know that they kind of explained that later, but can someone explain that to me because I didn't get it. Why didn't get it either? Why did he uh, um, appear to be ninety years old? I've got a theory for this, and it kind of ties in about you know some of the inconsistencies with the ship and stuff and the thing he does later, that I think basically the ship was hit by two waves. First of all, um, some sort of EMP or shockwave, which temporarily knocked out all the electronics, and then got hit by um, the tachyon wave, which was at a lot higher strength than when um, the others go there later. He basically got hit by a 100% tachyon wave, whereas it was at 50% uh, later on, and so basically, he aged to death um, really quickly, and he barely had time to do what he does later. He didn't. All the electronics were shot out, and then when the electronics rebooted, he was dead. And the computer must have a um, homing device thing on board, and it automatically went back to Babylon Five. Okay. I think that's what happens. <laughs> I can go with that. Sounds like a good explanation. I wonder why only the insides aged and not the outsides. Interesting. Don't know. Also, he did pretty good. I mean, he dug he dug pretty deep into that belt. Yeah. <laughs> in that did. short amount of time. Shit was set to return home before he died. When I was when I was watching this, I was thinking, why is Garibaldi giving them the medical report and not Doctor mm. Franklin? It must be like convenience. But then I saw on the Lurkers guy, JMS did. Uh, make a respond to that question and he was saying Garibaldi's the head of security so 
Franklin would give Garibaldi the report and Garibaldi would give it to them. But, you know, it's just a waste of time to bring in Dr. Franklin for just, you know, a short scene like that. I guess so. Uh, yeah, so then we see Delenn come out of the other side of the jump gate and she starts looking for a beacon. And back on B5, they found the pilot's buckle with B4 scratched into it and they... They immediately jump to the conclusion that it means B4, or could mean B4, and they don't know why he would write that. Sinclair, turns out, he's found out that the Tachyon emissions are coming from the spot where B4 used to be. Clara lets them know that the, there's a distress signal coming from Section 14, and the call identifies itself as B4. Yeah, that was... It was like, we didn't need the extra pauses there. I, mean, I think we, we caught up with the fact that it was Babylon 4, so it wasn't like a shock. Because mm, <laughs> yeah. she paused, like in her line. It was like, Commander, it's, it's Babylon 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got well, there. We got there, Clara, a few minutes yeah. ago. The only thing I can think of is Clara doesn't have all the information the others do, and so it's, you know, she's surprised that it's Babylon 4. No, I just mean within the context of us as viewers watching the episode. Oh, uh, uh, right, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I get that. But yeah, <laughs> she, she's clearly surprised. Yeah, no, she, of course, yeah, she is. <laughs> we knew before they ever went to the opening credits. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I was hoping, yeah. <laughs> so my notes were, one, thank goodness it didn't take them long to start going down the path of B4 because... On a lot of shows, they wouldn't have believed it, and they would have they would have exhausted every other possibility before they started. Like, okay, maybe it is before. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. I was thinking, I said the pilot should get an award for steering the ship back and then scratching B four on his belt because that saved us the time of watching them try to figure out what was going <laughs> on. Yeah. His sacrifice right helped us. Yes. yes. And even Sinclair was about to say, "Well, actually." Babylon 4 might have traveled back in time when Kyle called in. Yeah. Yeah, I like it when they get to it, you know. Yeah, that's true. Up in the CNC, they check the secure code and verify that it's coming from B4. <laughs> and then they contact B4. Sorry, I've got a question. Um, I know as the audience, we wouldn't know this, but why does Sinclair explain it to Garibaldi when he should already know? <laughs> About? About? I noticed that too. <laughs> the secure yeah. code. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, he's explaining it to us, but it's like, okay, well, yeah, yeah. He probably should have written the line a little bit better, mm. but, you know, so that it, it wasn't like he was explaining it to Garibaldi. It was like he was like, oh yeah, and let's, you know, yeah. I know. I, I don't like it when they do that in shows either. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but they don't tell Babylon Four that they're Babylon Five just yet. Well, he gets a half a syllable bab. Uh, if I was the, if I was made and something the other said, wait, what was that? Where did you say <laughs> you were from? <laughs> so, yeah. And another thing that I found quite interesting actually is that Major Kranz on the when he's on the video screen says he's from the Earth Station Babylon Four, not the Earth Alliance Station Babylon Four. Mm. Oh, but it wasn't wasn't it just four years ago? Yeah, yeah, four years ago. But also, given his position, maybe you know he's been chosen to oversee this for his technical knowledge, not necessarily his diplomatic ability. Let's say. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Plus, he was in a hurry, I guess. 
Yeah. So before, uh, before <laughs> got caught up in some kind of flux and is taking damage. They need help evacuating. Then it starts again and they lose the signal. The date stamp on the message is four years out of date and they all decide they're going to go help evacuate B4. I can't figure out how I feel about this. Like the way they introduced Babylon 4. I was kind of hoping it would be a little bit calmer. <laughs> you know, just so that we could sort of get to know the Babylon staff and, and, and that. But, I mean, this was definitely interesting. Well, the people did evacuate, so there's no saying that we won't yeah, that's see definitely Major What's-His-Name again. Yeah. Yeah, who was he played by? Do you know, Will? Uh, yes, I didn't see anything like Major. He was played by Ken Broadhurst. And I saw mm-hmm. that I didn't see anything that I recognized. I did see that he wrote a movie, a TV movie called Wild Iris, which won Emmy, which won an Emmy. I think one of the actors in it won an Emmy. Okay. I think he may have looked like somebody else. Yeah, I think he kind of everybody like, else does, apparently. Yeah. yeah. So he kind of looked like Terry O'Quinn, maybe. Maybe the must. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> but, um, Sinclair is warning. We next. We see Sinclair warning his people about the risk of going to B4, and they get ready to head out. While I was watching this scene, I realized that I've, I think I've had less of a problem with Michael O'Hara's performance as the season's going on. I know in the early episodes, we were kind of hard on him a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a problem with him in this scene. I just don't especially like this scene because it's like the, the typical get out yeah. while you can speech, you know, like... Every time anybody goes into battle, there's the, okay, you can leave now. And nobody leaves, yeah. of course. And, and nobody leaves, and the... it's all... Yeah, exactly. There needs to be just that one guy that's like, oh, okay, I could go, all right, cool. <laughs> See ya. But it's kind of like, did you guys think it was kind of an awkward panning down the pilot's faces? I don't know if it was the camera angle, but I got a, like a really awkward, uncomfortable vibe from it. Yeah, there were some shots in this scene with like weird angles and they're just really up close and uncomfortable to me yeah yeah it was almost looked like the actors weren't ready <laughs> to be filmed <laughs> they just started filming and they're like well what? What? <laughs> yeah action halfway down the line yeah and uh, they had mentioned was it before this that there was how many people were on babylon 4 it was like i think it was 1200 to 1300 Something like that. Basically a skeleton crew. Yeah, not that yeah that's still a lot of people. So Fighter Squadron Zeta takes off, and then their escort wing takes off, and Garibaldi and Sinclair are part of that. Sinclair says, if you haven't heard from us in eight hours, Earth Central should be notified, but don't send any more ships. Well, you guys were, you guys were saying before that they've been bothering... Earth Central, so hey, at least they didn't uh, bother them yeah, this time. That's right, you know. So elsewhere, Delin gets what she's been waiting for, and Minbari Cruiser has appeared. <laughs> it looks like a shark. <laughs> <laughs> she heads towards the cruiser. Her little um, cruiser as well had a very nature-like look. I think the wings, I don't know what they are. Wings, maybe, the little things on the sides kind of look like leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of na- na- nature-like. I, I really like kinda... seeing the ambassador ships, like, yeah. seeing uh, Londo's last time. It just, they're really neat looking. Mm-hmm. And the Vorlons, too. Yeah. Have we seen Jakar's yet? 
Not that I can. We haven't seen his uh, anything he travels in. We've, I, I think, in the very first episode, we saw Nan ships. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then the one where what's her name got rescued. We saw a ship in. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. They should all race on it. It's the fastest. <laughs> Del- it'll be like Mario Kart, but it'll be Delin, Jakar, Lundo, and Kosh. Yes, and please. And the fighter. Yeah, and so you're then, saying uh, that doesn't happen? Um, I'm not saying please that. Please tell me that was a spoiler. Please, please, please. Yes, season finale. Um. <laughs> so next, Garibaldi and Sinclair on their way to their destination, killing time, spending some quality time together. I like how Garibaldi basically tells Sinclair he doesn't have to be so serious all the time. It's true. He's so stodgy. <laughs> <laughs> and this was one of those moments where I think they just had some weird close-ups on the two of these two from the side. Mm, uh, well, yeah. How do you feel it was kind of weird this episode? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say, those close-ups on the side view, those back walls look CGO to me. Yeah. Well, at one point, they, what, the one behind Garibaldi was completely red, mm. and I didn't know why. Was it the whole time? I don't think. Anybody? Is it? I don't think so. It turned red at some point. It was weird. Is this the fast and zip scene? Yeah, yeah. Certainly is. <laughs> it had me thinking. I feel like, what do I do? I don't know what I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, again. It's one of those conversations that come out of nowhere. And <laughs> oh, Garibaldi. Yeah. Yeah, he was just trying to make conversation. Because it was um, very boring in there. <laughs> yeah. They were just sitting there staring in front of them, not doing anything. And they had two hours left. So, you know, <laughs> lighten the mood. Anything. Yeah. And we leave, you know, we leave. Next time we come back, you know, a lot of times passed. Perhaps they did actually end up having the conversation about socks. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where do you move on to after socks, though? I don't know. Yeah, just every article of clothing, really. Yes. Endless. <laughs> Are you a boxer or a Bruce man? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they have a new option in the future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he should know. They go to the bathroom together, so. <laughs> um, next, Delin is on the cruiser. She changes into another outfit and takes her place among the Grey Council. Oh my god, the Greek Council are so dramatic <laughs> with their spotlights. <laughs> they take themselves so seriously. Well, we've kind of had a glimpse of them before, but this really is our first proper insight into the Grey Council, isn't it? And yeah, Yes, and I was really excited because I was not expecting this at all. Like, I was expecting oh, yeah, Babylon sure. 4, but then this showed up and I was like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And we only got to see two of them, right? Yeah, the yeah. others were all covered. They just had to keep yeah. their heads covered the whole time. If they weren't talking, they had to keep their heads bowed and, and covered. What did you make of it all, really? Because was it anything like you were expecting? Well, being in their big circle, we've seen that before. So, yeah. like, that wasn't too uh, surprising. But um, kind of the way they reacted to each other and the way they did things. I thought their um, Delenn's little spiel that she had to do as she entered the circle about them being the gray between the light and the dark. That was interesting because like we always talk about characters who are, you know, like a shade of gray or whatever. They're not the good guys and they're not the bad guys and 
Um, so just kind of, I guess, the symbolism behind that was interesting to think about. Have we seen the one um, Grey Council member before? The Not the one that kept talking to Delenn, but the other one? Was he the, the guy blind that one that came... kept on gesticulating all over the place with his arms? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> there were only two, right? So yeah. Not the one two. with the staff, the other one? The one yeah, with the, the hat. second one that uncovers his face. No, was he think. the one that came when... Uh, oh, when was it? I can't oh, remember. In the oh, sky full of stars, yeah. Yeah, sky full of stars. I think the we've seen him end. before. Was that him? Okay, I thought that was. Oh, him. okay. I did not know. I did not know that. Yeah, no, it was cool. It was it, nothing that happened there surprised me per se, because that's kind of how they act, like kind of formal sometimes and mysterious. I don't, I don't really know why she was the one that had to say what she said. Maybe because she was the last one to join them. Um, because she was coming back. After uh-huh. being away yeah. or something. Yeah, because it seems like they all stay there on that ship. Uh, yeah. Yeah, JMS said that they do spend their entire time on the Great Council on that ship. They might leave, like, to go visit family, but for the most part, they're on the ship. Yeah, so they don't even go to Limbar, I guess. They just stay on the ship all the time, traveling around, um, kidnapping people during battles and <laughs> doing things, <laughs> mysterious rituals. Uh I wonder. No, did we find out their names? Like, I didn't write them down. So, I, the one with that she was talking to, did he have a name that we found out? I don't remember hearing names. Yeah, I don't think so. They said her name a lot, but yeah, because I always write down the names in the credits, and he wasn't in the credits. I wonder why he was holding that staff. He's like the head juror. <laughs> yeah, I do know one of them wanted to go uncredited on the episode. He thought it was just, you know, thought he should be mysterious and whatnot. Okay. Well, the cr- yeah. the staff had a little triangle in it. It was like it a, <laughs> of course it did. Inside the triangle was like a little uh, piece of like rock. It was like a crystal type rock. Do you want to start triangle watch? Oh, well, I started already. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, and we get a couple of names mentioned here that I think we've heard before. You know, we we've, we've heard of uh, Descartes before. Yeah, we, right. we... Ducat was the leader, so he was the previous one that that she that they're replacing. Right. Yeah. Yes, okay. and they haven't had one for ten cycles or ten years, however they may say it. <laughs> so Ducat basically must have died then on that ship, because if if he has to stay there all the time, then he must have hmm. died so there. That is a decent hypothesis. Hmm. Or just I wonder how he accidentally got killed. Then if he was on that ship, I don't know. What was the other name, Ian? Oh, the other name, Valen. Yeah, that one, is it like one of their, is it's like a religious figure? Yeah, it's kind of like a Christ-like. Okay, you know. yeah, because at the very end she says something about, she says his name in a way that sounds like he's mm. some kind of, you know, god-like. Yeah, like a deity of some kind. Yeah, deity, thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. So is it Valen or Valen? Valen. Valen. That okay. was in the closed caption. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was? Okay. Yeah. That's the only reason I knew. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure. So, yeah, in summary, they meet a new leader, and she doesn't want to do it because she wants to do her work on B5. They start to bring up a prophecy. Well, she starts to bring up a prophecy where they say the prophecy will take care of itself. And I think it was funny how they kind of assumed that she'd be happy to not go back to Babylon 5. 
Right. But then that was kind of the reason they chose her in the first place is because, you know, she learned so much about them. So they must have thought it was like not a good experience for her. It's torture being among those humans. All the time. <laughs> well, the away other from creature. our people. Yeah. yeah. Away from our people. But that would be kind of like her life then. After She would still be kind of away from her people. She would be with the Grey Council, but she wouldn't be out, out among, I don't know, the common Minbari. <laughs> I don't know. And, but it would, it would be like, um, you know, if, if for example, um, we had a human leader that wasn't chosen by elections, but was actually chosen by, you know, a group of people and how many people would turn down leading a country or leading a, a group of people that I mean that in itself is rare let alone you know leading an entire race mm-hmm. well it, and it also lends itself you know more to the idea that it is a theocracy right because she's not just leading the Great Council they're asking her to lead all of the Membari yeah. right yes that, mm-hmm. okay. that's correct and they're sort of the religious side of it so it's like a theocracy Mm-hmm. So next, uh, Garibaldi and Sinclair are picking up some major tachyon emissions, and then they see B4. Yay! Which is green! <laughs> yes, yeah. I was like, oh, they're all a different color. I want to know what color Babylon 1 and 2 and pink are. Purple, <laughs> yellow. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the yellow one. Yeah, it's designed slightly differently as well, you know? Did you notice how kind of the... Solar collectors were like a fan at the back. It, okay, it so that's what they were. Like a ball on shit. Yeah. Because when they first showed Babylon 5 at the very beginning of the episode, is that what those things were that were sticking out? The things that stick straight up, yeah. Yeah, um, solar collectors, okay. But then they're, they're not always pla- out, though. Sometimes they're not out. Um, I, I'm sure they are, but uh, yeah, they're, they're basically towards the back of Babylon 5. You've got... Um, Basically, six solar collectors. Um, oh, sometimes I can't side. see them. Yeah, um, sometimes you don't see them. Where, depending on the shot, but they are always there. Whereas in um, on Babylon Four, they're set at the back and more in a um, flower pattern, I suppose. Is <laughs> they're more like petals. Oh, okay, yeah. But I didn't really have much chance to see the differences between the ships. I should have paused it, but did not see that. Okay, so they go in heading through the distortion field on the way. On Babylon 4, they get attacked by some guy shouting about monsters, but they subdue him. Yeah, but they were shooting actual guns at him, though. <laughs> which I was I always find that a little disappointing. Yeah. Like, they oh, could have killed you... him. Yeah. They should have brought stun guns. <laughs> Stunners, yeah. yeah. I like the look on uh, Sinclair's face when Garibaldi knocked the guy out. Just see a little smile. <laughs> Garibaldi. <laughs> oh, Garibaldi. <laughs> yeah, and of course you can tell this place isn't quite finished yet. There's boxes all over the place. Yeah, there's like uh, bubble wrap things of bubble wrap or something. Looks <laughs> yeah. like the room I'm sitting in right now, just bo- unpacked boxes everywhere. Oh, was I? Did you just move? I moved two years ago and never unpacked it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> then the head of B4 takes him away, comes to take the guy away. He is Major Lewis Krantz, right? Yeah. I just yeah. abbreviated yeah. as MLK. No disrespect to Martin Luther King. 
I just didn't want to. <laughs> I just didn't want to write that out every time. I have to say, I love his performance in this scene. It's so over the top and wide-eyed. It is. <laughs> I feel the same way. I don't know about the loving it part, but it was over the top. <laughs> Major Krantz was assigned to oversee the final construction of B4, and this is where he finds out that they're from B5 from the year 2258, and he you know, seems willing to believe this, that it's true, and that they need to get off the station. Yeah, he's not too surprised. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he wasn't then he wasn't going to be the commander like uh like Sinclair is for Babylon 5. He was just there to oversee until, you know, it was operational, I right. guess. Yeah, okay. I think he was there for basically the final stage of uh construction making sure all the electronics were plugged in and everything like that. Mhm. Okay. Darn. Next, Sinclair sees a flash and has a vision of an attack and an evacuation of Babylon 5, which is, reminds me of Lady Ladera's vision and signs and portents. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. This scene, until I watched it the second time, though, I wasn't clear on whether Sinclair knew what was going on or not. Like, I didn't think that it came across as clear enough. Like, he was a bit confused, but... I couldn't tell for sure that he was still, like, in the time frame in his mind of where he came from. Yeah. Hmm. That part I understood. The part that I didn't get the first time I watched it was that it was on Babylon 5. I thought yeah. maybe he flashed forward to they had all ended up staying on Babylon 4. They couldn't get off. Oh. And they were trying to get off of Babylon 4. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that would be crazy. Uh, so the second time, I was like, okay, we're on Babylon 5. I got it. But the first time, I was just like, okay, what's what's happening? He's just seeing what could have ha- could happen if they can't get off. That's what I thought. Um, oh, yeah, a little bit of trivia for this scene as well. Um, some know. of the stuff that was being yelled was um, made up on the spot by the director and uh, the actor who played Garibaldi because it was kind of only outlined in the script Sorry. and... Later, JMS wasn't really happy with what was being said because it was too cheesy and not really in character. Uh, uh, you mean like the part where he said, this is like what I was born for or whatever? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But what about the part about they're burning through the levels and, um, you know, they're coming to get... I mean, he um, presumably I, he meant to intimate that they were being attacked by side they that were burning through the levels. It was just the individual words that were... I, I, I think it's uh, kind of that that line of this is what me- was meant for and the stuff af- he says after that about, yeah, come, you know, come get some more whatever he says. <laughs> yes, it's based- it like Rambo type. Really? That's out of character? Have you met Garibaldi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he also said what? That he rigged the fusion reactor, so that means he rigged the station to blow. Yeah. Yeah. And he was going to yep. stay behind to fight whatever was trying to come on. Yeah. So that really would play into the science importance thing, right? Yeah. Okay. There is one frame in this scene where Garibaldi's eyes are glowing, and I didn't notice this when I watched it. But the story is that one of the special effects guys just got bored while they were sitting around waiting for some other scene to finish rendering. So he started filling in Garibaldi's eyes, just drawing in Garibaldi's eyes. And he thought that he didn't save it, but he turns out that he did. And nobody noticed this until after the episode aired. 
and JMS said that he had a talk with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't lose his job, huh? <laughs> Doesn't sound. Huh? I did not notice. Yeah, so Major Cran says that they're unstuck in time. They have to get out of there quickly. B4 looks a lot different than B5 on the inside and the outside. Yeah, it's a different look. I can't tell. I just, yes, it just looks like lights. an unfinished. They have green lights inside <laughs> there. <laughs> so on the Minbari ship, Delin doesn't want to go back into the Great Hall because she thinks that she'll never leave if she does. She doesn't want to accept this calling. And the guys remind her that no one's refused to accept in a thousand years. And she thinks she needs to go back to B5 because she has a part to play in the change that's coming. She wants to reconvene the council to speak with them, but she gets warned that there will be consequences if she does this. And she wants to listen to the call of her heart. Oh. <laughs> I know. I was like, I was, I kept waiting for her to say, uh, you know, we're married, right? Yeah. <laughs> she never said anything. She I was just... like, oh, the call of her heart. Oh, she's in love. And then she said it again later. And I was like, mm -hmm, I know. <laughs> uh, how can I leave my uh, husband? That's right. I know. Oh. I know. I kept waiting for her to give some <laughs> kind of uh, clue there. She acts really well in this scene as well. You can... You, you could see her trepidation and, and her inner conflict as well of, yes, I want to do what's right for my people, but I've got to follow my heart. I just like Mira Ferland's performance. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this is yet another one of her old good buddies, so. <laughs> yeah, she has a lot of those. Mm -hmm. Well, you know. It, it comes in handy, you know. You never know sure. when you'll get elected to run your race. <laughs> uh, back on B5, they've reestablished communications with the shuttle transport, and the evacuation is beginning. Then we... I have to say that, obviously, the second time I watched it, it was better. But I, I did find this hard to follow um, the first time I watched it. I was I couldn't quite... I just had to just follow like what was being said. I couldn't quite figure out the logistics of what was happening with the people and getting it off. It was very chaotic, so they did a good job with that. Yeah, it's definitely one where it's like, okay, well, right after I'm done watching, I have to go back and watch this again, <laughs> and then it makes so much more sense, and it's really, really good. Yeah, yeah it made a lot more sense, and I even had some. Even the second time I watched it, I had to rewind a couple times. To, to really get what was being said or what was mm -hmm. going on, you know, in all the chaos. <laughs> so on B4, MLK explains that all the weird stuff started happening 24 hours after they went operational, but something else weird happened, and then he takes them to see Zathras. Ah, uh, Zathras. God, 24 hours. Guy. Yeah. I know, they should have waited at least until it was fully operational. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Zathras is played by, I'm probably mispronouncing this, but Tim Choate. Um, he, I saw that he was in a short film that won an Oscar. I didn't recognize anything else that he had been in. Yeah, what did you guys think of this guy? Like, the way he talked and stuff. I thought he was awesome. Yeah, I love Yeah, Zathras, he's cool. He better come back. I mean, I predict that he will come back. So they don't know how Zathras got on board or what race he is. He looks at Sinclair like he's happy to see him, and then his expression changes, and he sits back down, 
Sis. I did not pick up on any of this the first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this whole conversation about the one. Yeah. yeah, that was one the one that I had to rewind a few times the second time. Says that Sinclair is not the one. Well, I think he means that he's not yet the one. Right. Like yeah. 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 This is an earlier one. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't become the one yet. I like how in the um closed captioning they capitalize not the one, like that's his name. <laughs> oh, just the one part? No, the not the N and oh. the one, the not the one. Like, that's his name. <laughs> his name is not the one right now. He'll be the one later. This is not the one. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of how in Dinosaurs, the baby called his father not the mama. Not the mama. So <laughs> <laughs> Zathras says he can only talk to the one. says the one is hurt and Zathras needs to help him. Like I, he refers to himself in the third person, which is pretty cute. Uh-huh. <laughs> Zathras explains that they, whoever they are, told him they needed the biggest of the Babylon stations for a great war to be forced bigger than B5. Oh, okay. Yeah, I missed that part, even though I watched it like five times. Yeah, JMS said that B5 is smaller because they put all their money into B4 and they had to use... <laughs> yeah, I, um, actually, um, Thomas Jinkso earlier in the series actually said that okay. that they did a um, posh number for Babylon Four, and you know, pulled out all the bells and whistles or something like that. He said, I think he said something like they did a real number on it. So that was even set up in this series that B Four is meant to be bigger and better than B Five. This still doesn't explain what happened to the other ones, but because the other three were sabotaged, we definitely or just know two of them. that um, one was um, definitely sabotaged, and the other two blew up, I and think. they don't know why it blew. They blew up. I think two may have been sabotaged as well, and it's three that we're unsure about. I'm not sure though. Maybe mm. it's something they're, like they're that. They're waiting for number four. <laughs> so they're going to take B four. Zathra says that it was a great war, or it is a great war, but there's a great hope of peace, so they need a place to organize to help save the galaxy, so they pull that place through time to help save everybody. And they ask him when he's from. He says he came from 4993 from his time, but he doesn't know what that is in Earth time. <laughs> I love that. So we yeah. really have no information whatsoever. Right. Yeah, and, you can, and it really is like one of these time travel things you just can't think about. Right. The logistics of it, because I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, well, in the 40-something, you know, 43-whatever, yes, all of these people would be long dead. But if 43-whatever is in Zathras' time the same as, you know, 25, I don't know. You know, it's really yeah, like... 54, yeah. 50 no, years but in I the mean, future like, or something. If... No, I just mean the whole idea of going back in time and taking Babylon 4 when it first became operational. Does that mean that in their timeline, Babylon 4 became operational? And you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And then and then they went back in time and then took it before it became operational, therefore changing the timeline of... Yeah. Oh, I hate time yeah. travel. <laughs> <laughs> Not hate. Oh, I love time travel. Really yes. yes. I, I love time travel. I do too, but it does get a little confusing sometimes and different shows do it differently uh-huh yeah figuring out how exactly they're looking at time travel is definitely half the battle yeah remember but captain janeway said oh i promised myself i'd never get stuck in a time travel paradox <laughs> <laughs> future is the past the past is the future mm-hmm. yeah it's 
very con- yeah yeah you just can't think of it too much I guess because I'm like wait a minute does that mean in their timeline the Babylon 4 was taken but they just didn't know how and then they realized it was them that took it because that always happens in time travel movies I think that's what it is yes <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah somebody comes in and shouts it's back and they they leave and Zathras runs and follows them Oh, I, I like how he does this. It, they leave, then he gives a look to left and right as if he's looking at the guard behind them. And obviously they're not doing the job, so he just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're the worst guards on people. Oh my gosh, they were horrible. Then they go running. Oh, get him! <laughs> yeah. I can just see them standing here. Yes. Do, do, do. What's, what turned my shift over? Do, 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 do. Oh, buddy, he's gone. <laughs> it's not the Looney Tunes. Um, so what they see is somebody in a spacesuit sort of phasing in and out, and no, it's not River Song in the spacesuit. <laughs> First thing I thought, and yeah, this is a the spacesuit is a prop from 2010, which is the sequel to 2001: A Space Odyssey. Oh, okay, I have not seen that. I couldn't. <clears throat> I kind of knew it was Sinclair. That's one thing I guess while I was watching it. Uh-huh. I did not. Yeah. Uh, Zathras says that it's the one, and they can tell that he's in pain. Zathras explains that the one stopped before to let the crew get off. Sinclair goes to touch him, and he gets flung across the room. Paradox. Yes, that's exactly what you I wrote in my notes. I was like, paradox. <laughs> <laughs> Because they both did the same hand gesture, too. They both had their index finger out and then extended their all their other fingers. When, uh, I think it was Zathras that said that the one was sacrificing himself for others, and I was like, oh, well, I should have known the first time that it was Sinclair when he said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Zathras run, runs up to him and hands him something, saying that he fixed it. Security chases down Zathras, which wasn't too hard. He just, just <laughs> it wasn't a very exciting chase. He just kind of no. <laughs> and Zathras five feet. <laughs> yeah. So Zathras tells him that they need to leave because there's no more time. And right here, I started having trouble with my DVD. I don't know what it is with my DVDs where they want to keep freezing, even though there aren't any scratches on them. No, oh, maybe you need to clean your DVD player. As a well. Pretty new. I mean, I use I try using my consoles, and then I try using my Blu-ray player, and they all oh. stop at different points. Anyway. So, do we know how long they in their time they were there after Zathra showed up? Like, did they only think it had been like a day? It's not clear in yeah. this episode. I don't think it's hard. To, really hard to tell. Yeah. I hope so for their sake that it wasn't it didn't feel like a long long time um on the Minbari ship Delin addresses the council she says the council stopped the war because of prophecy because Valen said some humans had a destiny they couldn't interfere with and she was sent to study them to determine if the prophecy was correct she's not finished they argue back and forth. The Lynn cites the strength of the humans, and she says that the, uh, they have a lot to learn from humans. Studying them is her calling, and no ruling can reject her calling. And they tell her that if she leaves, she may not be allowed to return. She could become an outcast. She's going to do what she believes is right. And in the end, they vote to honor the Lynn's request. They'll choose another to lead them. Although, 
I mean, I've seen this scene so many times, and I can never work out whether the one... I think the ones in her favour stay in the light, and the yeah, ones are so. fighting yeah. against her go in the dark. Mm-hmm. But I'm never quite sure, <laughs> because it's never stated. I'm just... The only way I can, I can say for almost certain that's what's happening is because... The one guy that doesn't like what she's doing switches his light off. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's the way the question's asked. And I can't think of how it was asked, but it's like the way that the question's asked. If you're in favor, then you, I guess, are in the affirmative, and that would mean stay lit. There are mm-hmm. better ways to vote than <laughs> turning off the spotlight. Yeah, they all like uh, remote control where they turn their light off. It's so dramatic. <laughs> God, what is that thing called that Dumbledore uses to turn off the light? I can't remember. But yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I I do really like the lens speech here, but I try to write it all down, but it's just too long. I wanted yeah. to have it as a quote, but it's just too long. I didn't really like it because I don't know. To me, it just seems so cliche. Like it seems like there's always this speech about how humans are just so passionate and I don't know. I don't I don't think she needed a reason. I don't think she needed to say that. I think that she all she needed to say was that I mean all the all the need the reason she needed was that they were going to be play a part, you know, in the future or they were part of their own prophecy. I don't I didn't feel well, stirred or, you know, uh, you know, it it didn't do anything for me. Yeah. However, someone was saying one of the guys, uh, the blind guy, said he doubted the prophecy. So she was trying to present further evidence why she thinks it applies to them. That's the only reason why I can see that she would take, you know, give that speech. He so he doubted the prophecy. Isn't that like heresy or something? No, he, he doubted the prophecy applied to humans. applied to them. But he was, yeah. I mean, ostensibly he was part of the Great Council that took Sinclair on board and then had her go and study him. And also, didn't they want him to be the commander? I mean, that seems like a crazy point to bring up now after mm. they rejected all the other people that could have been on Babylon 5 and then had him be the person and took him on board their ship. And now he's all, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Crisis of faith all of a sudden? I don't yeah. know. That sounds like his problem. Yes, well, Delenn did bring up again in her speech uh, the calling of her heart. So yeah, that's true. We all know what she's really referring to. I know, just show him the wedding ring, for God's sake. <laughs> yes. And the chrysalis. <laughs> so back on B4, Garibaldi's evacuating people. For some reason, this scene came off a little awkward to me. I don't know why. I just was kind of Yeah, like, because I think because he said like five people and I counted like seven going through. <laughs> they just yeah. go running through. <laughs> Good job, Garibaldi. Yeah. Keeping them in line. <laughs> yeah, seven. I mean, I said five. That was just a suggestion. <laughs> and they definitely weren't doing the women and children first thing. No, not at all. <laughs> Any person for themselves. Elsewhere on B4, Zathras explains that he gave a time stabilizer to the one. Now he doesn't have one, so he'll die when B4 jumps again. He seems happy to die for the cause. He says they'll die, he'll die if they try to take him. And then they get a call from Garibaldi. Tachyon emissions are going up. Then Garibaldi gets a vision of... Lise! Uh, b- broke so, up with Lise, mm-hmm. yeah. And my favorite shirt of his, too. So after this, Garibaldi's ready to go. And 
Franz orders his men to take Zathras with him. On their way out, a pillar conveniently falls on Zathras and traps him. <laughs> Why are there these pillars there? <laughs> so then Franz just all of a sudden changes his mind about taking Zathras, though he assisted earlier. Sinclair wants to save him, but Zathras tells him that he has to go because he has a destiny. There's that destiny I, thing again. Yeah, I've got to wonder, how many people now have been telling Sinclair he's got a destiny? He's got to get some sort of complex at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Not Sinclair. <laughs> so Sinclair and Garibaldi leave, and Zathras wakes up and sees the one standing over him. Zathras knew that the one would leave him. And we see Garibaldi and Sinclair get through the distortion field. Back on Babylon 4, the atmosphere is breathable again and the distortion has been repaired. The one takes off his helmet and we see an older, scarred Jeffrey Sinclair. He says he tried to warn them, but it all happened the way he remembered it. Well, he needs to work on his charades, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Two syllables. Well, second word. What are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> Someone off-screen says it's time to go, and they're waiting for them. Yep. Who was that? Yeah. It was Delenn. Yep. Sounds like Delenn, but we don't see her face. We don't? It looked like her hand. Yeah, we just saw her. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought for sure we saw her face. No, we didn't. Oh, my God. In my it's mind, it's clearly Delenn. Who else could it be? <laughs> well, Their daughter? Oh, <laughs> They grew up really all fast. I'm, all I'm going to say, sorry, all I'm going to say on this strange place to have a honeymoon. We're <laughs> <laughs> taking idea. a late honeymoon. He's, he's <laughs> aged a little. <laughs> yeah, so, uh. so then Babylon Four disappears, and Garibaldi and Sinclair speculate about whether Zathras was telling the truth. Sinclair doesn't know, but he wishes them luck if it is true, and they head back to B5, maximum burn. Yeah. I, I'm also wondering if if he believed that the... I mean, that's a pretty big thing, that realizing that time travel is possible. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't they took it, change the way you look at things. They took it in stride. They're like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> right, good luck with that. Yeah. So on the Minbari ship, uh, she tells her friend goodbye. She doesn't think she'll ever see the inner chamber again. He gives her a triluminary. There are two others, so this one won't be missed for a while. He thinks she'll have more need of it. And she says goodbye and leaves. Yes, another mysterious sign of portent. Yeah, didn't yeah. he say it? Even, yeah. Is this where it is? He yeah. says, yeah, he says he, um, he's filled with a foreboding and they, he can see signs and portents all around or something like that. Yeah. And he gives her the triluminary. What's the triluminary and why does she need it? <laughs> A communication device, maybe? No clue. Yeah, I don't know. There's it's three. all about the triangles. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Back on Babylon 5, Ivanova's upset she missed going to B4. <laughs> Sinclair says... Now, they don't know where it went, so it may show up again sometime. And Susan wants to go instead of Garibaldi next time. And he tells her the story of the flying Dutchman, which never found its way home. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. I thought that was 
I thought it was weird to bring that up again. It was almost like a thing of, oh, we have to explain to the audience what the Flying Dutchman is because they won't get it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't really know. Well, I I really only know because of Pirates of the Caribbean, but... (laughs) Oh. (laughs) But, yeah, it was one of those things of, okay, let's explain this because no one will know. Yeah. All right. I don't think I have any more notes about this episode. Nope. Oh, I've got a little note related to the episode. Okay. I can finally tell you guys what my Twitter handle is. Oh, okay. It's Isathras. (laughs) I think you know what's going to be my alien of the week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I say not the one trying to do hearing Zathras' voice a lot sometimes. (laughs) Not the one. Not the one. one. Excuse me. So how's about we do some quotes of the week? Shane, you're our guest. I've got one here, okay. How much longer? One hour, 57 minutes. Want to talk socks? No. Just a question. I am not having this conversation. (laughs) That was also mine. (laughs) I had that one down, too. Sinclair would rather stare ahead Uh silently. (laughs) Both of mine are Zathra's quotes. I don't know if... (laughs) Yeah. I don't have any Zathras quotes. First one, Zathras not of this time. You take, Zathras die. You leave, Zathras die. Either way, it is bad for Zathras. <laughs> Zathras tells maybe we don't break Zathras' squinny little neck. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the entire series written down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go for my Zathras quote. Ah, ah, not the one. Won't talk. Can't talk. Not the one. They tell me they did. Zathras listens. He does, yes. Zathras listens and he does. He does what he's told. <laughs> okay, I have one. Garibaldi, you're a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> My only other was mathematics, not Zathras' skill. <laughs> that was good, too. Zathras did have a lot of good quotes. I just didn't write any of them down. No, yeah, me neither. I think I was too into it at that point because I was trying to, because it was the second time watching. And so I was like, okay, how does this fit? And Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, let's move to characters of the week. Who is our human of the week? I think I've got to give it, it to Sinclair. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I think so. It's his week. Hard we wanted to give it to Claire. We actually had two awesome. Sinclairs. We had two Sinclairs, so it has well, to go true. to him. Oh, yeah. which Sinclair is it? Is it the one or not the one? <laughs> not the one, I guess. Yeah, I guess not the one. Not the one. <laughs> I should put down not the one instead of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's our alien of the week? Do you even have to ask? Alien of the week is Zathras. Yes, Zathras is alien of the week. <laughs> Yeah, I had a hard time deciding between Zathras and Delenn, but it, it kind of tipped in Zathras's favor. All right, let's... Uh, I just have to remember that that is Sinclair when I'm tallying up the votes for the season. Not the one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess all the previous Sinclair votes are for not the one Sinclair as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do our episode ready. I just want to start out, Shane... Uh, I love this episode, actually. When you originally put, um, the call, call out to actually put, um, um, for guest hosts, 
Uh, this was the first episode I put myself down for, so I'm going to have to give this 10 out of 10 hours of meditation. Ooh. <laughs> it's our first 10. Wow. Uh, how about you, Heidi? Well, no, I think Ian gave a 10. Well, no, that was just on a, um, an email. Never mind. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, I also loved this episode, and I, I kind of wanted to give it 10 out of 10, but then I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I should, if I should give out my first 10. <laughs> I'm going to go 9.5, missing breakfasts. Awesome. How about you, Elizabeth? Uh, well, I hated this episode. Just kidding. I, I loved it. <laughs> no, it was awesome. Uh, it was so fast paced. And, uh, I mean, I don't even think two times watching it was enough, uh, to really get everything. But yeah, I, I mean, it was really moving along and we got more questions, of course, but, you know, in a good way. So I will give it my highest rating so far, which is nine out of 10 spotlight remote controls. Cool. What do you say, Ian? Well, I do really love this episode. It's the best of this season. I mean, we really hit a high here, and it's brilliant. And mm, I love Zathras. Zathras I love, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always love time travel, almost universally, wherever it is. Even bad time travel stories I love. Uh, um, so that really puts it up there. And again, I love the uh, stuff with Delane as well. It's a really nice insight into her character and her uh, culture. So mm, I'm going I'm going to have to go for 10. I'm going to have to go for 10 out of 10 Zathras quotes. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I really love this episode as well. I, well, I love time travel as well. I love the mystery. I like a good mystery and I like all the questions it introduced. And I love the Zathras character. Stuff with Delin was pretty cool. So I'm going to give it nine and a half out of ten. Not the ones. <laughs> Not the one. So that is our highest score. A total of 9.6. Oh, wow. yeah, by wow. far, probably. Yeah. Second highest is 8.7. Science importance. We like our science importance. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Let us all hop on our horses and gallop to feedback land. Our well, time traveling horses. Yes. <laughs> so first, I forgot to check the last minute to see if we got anything, but I can check. Okay. First, we have comment on our website from board 99 who wants to take that or i can take it Uh, well i was gonna volunteer as well up to you will i'll do it you want to take okay board says i'm really really curious to see what the ambassador's reactions are to this one in fact now that i think about it i'd rather have a commentary on this than voice in the wilderness too i should have thought to request that predictions this week certainly have Stuff to work with. From a storytelling perspective, Babylon Square might be the most important episode of season one. As I've said before, I think first season B5 is cautious about being too different from previous sci-fi shows, with TNG being, as usual, the, the touchstone. It's an episodic problem of the week show with a static setting and mostly static characters. Even the episode that builds the overall story significantly do so as a secondary element in stories that have distinct plots of their own. 
Simon's importance is the nearest exception to this, but it still centers upon its own story about the Raiders and the Eye. Babylon Squared, on the other hand, is almost plotless if you take it by itself. The action boils down to, they go to Babylon 4 and then they leave. It doesn't offer the viewer any satisfactions that aren't about paying off one ongoing mystery and plenty more for the future. Thanks, Ford. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, thanks. And about the commentary, I mean, I would have yeah. loved a commentary on this, but I didn't want to play our hand and reveal we have an awesome episode in store too early because that would have constituted an opinion spoiler. And I just, I wanted our ambassadors to take this episode fresh with no expectations other than what they've given in predictions. And if we had asked them for a commentary on this, you would have, I'm sure you would have had expectations going in that would have been higher than normal. Yeah, yeah, but I don't that. know. That, I mean, I'm okay with that. You know, if if there is like an episode that you guys think that would be a good commentary, I don't mind. You know, being asked to do a commentary for it. Um, Plus, every once in a while, you can just throw in a bad episode and be like, "Here, yeah, watch exactly." This one. <laughs> Infection. <laughs> throw off the curve. Uh, next, we have a Facebook comment from Sergeant Drano. Who wants to take that one? Okay. Okay. So, Sergeant Drano starts with. Okay, here we go. Once again, severe limitations on what can be said about this episode due to spoilers. <laughs> kind of weird that Alpha 7's fighter didn't have any kind of black box recording that the pilot could have left a message on. He had to scratch something into the belt buckle. Yeah. Um, hopefully my explanation will explain things for you, but yeah, even my explanation's a bit dodgy, so. I'm with you there. Speaking of Al Alpha 7, kind of weird that the distortion caused him to ace to death, but apparently did not affect the other character in the show this way. So, the biggest question in this episode is pretty obvious. Fasten then zip, or zip then fasten? Hmm. <laughs> Newbies, clearly this needs to be a poll. I think I fastened and zip, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. I think fast and then zip. Yeah, fast and then zip. Probably, I don't know. <laughs> who, are those, who are these weirdos that do the zip then fasten? That's what I want to know. <laughs> the commanding officer of Babylon 4, Major Lewis Krantz, wears the uniform of Earth Force Marine Corps. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, I wasn't sure myself. I knew it was a different part of the Earth Force, but Marine Corps. I wonder why he was assigned to space station. Thoughts on Zathras? Great performance. The spacesuit worn by the one totally reminded me of the spacesuits from 2001 A Space on the Sea. Intentional? That's yeah, just uh, what they had. Just what they could find. <laughs> Maybe not yeah. intentional, but it kind of is. So. <laughs> Do the newbies think that Delenn will ever see the Grey Council Chamber again? I think so, probably. Mm, no. I think she's right. I think she knows what she's talking about. Cool that she got a piece of the triforce, though. She can totally rescue the princess with that. <laughs> <laughs> At least now we know what it's for. Yeah. <laughs> an important episode, guaranteedly. Hmm, an important episode, guaranteed to leave newbie heads spinning. I give it nine out of ten stolen stations. Favorite alien, Zathras. Favorite human, the one. Looking forward to the podcast. Oh, you gave it to the other Sinclair. Yeah, you gave it to not the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, thanks, Sergeant Drano. Thank oh, you. Thanks a lot. That was nice. Thanks. <laughs> uh, next, we have an email from Victor. Who wants to take Victor's email? I can take that one. In this episode, a young fighter pilot returns from Sector 14, apparently dead of old age. The situation becomes even more bizarre when Babylon 5 receives a distress call from Babylon 4, which had vanished years ago with no explanation. Therefore, because she correctly predicted that Babylon 4 would return this week, Elizabeth wins the Stopped Clock Award. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Just as the Stopped Clock is correct twice a day, if you predict every week that Babylon 4 will show up, eventually you will be right. That was my goal. Thank you, Sarcastic Victor. (laughs) Sinclair and Garibaldi go out to investigate and bring ships along to evacuate the personnel. There they meet a strange alien called Zathras, and no one really knows who or what he is. According to Zathras, Babylon 4 is unstuck in time, and Sinclair is not the one. B4 will be needed in a great war with great darkness, as a great hope of peace. Lots of greats. (laughs) They need to pull this place through time, and the one will lead them. To me, Zathras doesn't seem like the most reliable source of information. If he had been born a few centuries earlier, he could have been our chairman of the Federal Reserve. I would love to see him testify in that mumbo-jumbo before Congress every few months. (laughs) (laughs) Then all sorts of strange things start happening, and I'm not clever enough to discuss them without spoiling everything. If I haven't already said this, I'm not really a big fan of the intro cast format. But I actually like Zathras and hope they do build statues of him someday. A couple of years from now, all of this will make sense to the newbies. In the subplot, we learn that Delenn is even more important than we thought. She is not only a member of the Grey Council, but is now asked to become its leader. But then she would have to give up her post on Babylon 5, which means no more Jenga. So she declines. (laughs) This is an important episode which serves to set up later events, but on its own it suffers from being incredibly confusing. So I will give it 7 fastening zips out of 10. Regards, Victor. Thanks, Victor. Thank you. Uh, so next we have an email from Lori who wants to do that one. I guess it's my turn. Hello, ambassadors. Thank goodness this was about B4 since Elizabeth and Heidi might have quit or at least stopped making predictions if it had not been. Elizabeth was just one episode late with her B4 prediction, so really looking forward to all your thoughts. It appears that B4 was not in the same position in space where B5 is now. I was not clear on exactly where it was. I found this in the GMA- GMS notes. B1 to B4 were located in roughly the same sector, with B4 using some of the materials from 1 to 3 left over. B5 was constructed about 3 hours traveling time in real space from the location of B4. Even though we are left with more questions and answers, I do love mysteries in this episode. Some unanswered questions. What will be B4's purpose? Where, when it is going? How, why was someone who seemed to be Sinclair in the spacesuit? Who is Zathros and why is he there? Who or what is the one? What is the meaning of the flash forwards and or flashbacks? What will happen to Delenn now that she has turned down the role of the, of leader of the Great Council? Looking forward to your thoughts. Human, Sinclair, Alien, Zathros. 9.5 out of 10 mysterious time stabilizers. 0.5 off for the annoying Major Krantz. <laughs> uh, Lori. Thank you, Lori. So, thank so Lori. Lori, are you referring to not the one? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, next we have an email from Katrina. I'll take this one. Hi, everyone. Another lurker here who has been enjoying your podcast a lot. Thanks, Katrina. 
After so many years, it's very refreshing to hear the experiences and impressions of new viewers, and it has reawakened a favorite past show for me. Babylon Squared is my favorite episode of Season 1. Like Sinclair, Garibaldi, and the B4 crew, we know just enough of what's happening to be confused and puzzled, and with no futuristic Miss Marple in sight. <laughs> just like a good, cozy mystery, there's even the stranger in town, the enigmatic Zathras. Who is Zathras and what is going on? What do those time-slip visions mean? Will we ever know? Just how much don't the humans know about the universe? This type of storytelling is what makes Babylon 5 so special to me. Unlike other shows of the time, for example Star Trek, we aren't spoon-fed most of the details of Babylon 5's world. Instead, the characters and situations show us pieces of the B5 universe, and we have to put the jigsaw puzzle together as best as we can. Similar to the way that Stephen Moffat is making us do now with Dr. Hugh, Dr. Who, and Sherlock. Best human this episode, Garibaldi. Best alien, Zathras. Best panic attack, the B4 crew. <laughs> best quote, the button or zip conversation just for being the least mind-twisting thing. Nine out of ten, space raccoon tail wearing aliens. Cheers, <laughs> Katrina. Thanks, Katrina. Good to hear from you. And our final email is from Bill. Who wants to take that one? Anybody? I can take it. Okay. Greetings down belowers. <laughs> I decided I like that. Oh, okay. I am reading it wrong. Greetings down bellowers. I decided <laughs> I like that better than belowers. <laughs> I thought he just spelled it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so we at last we got to my favorite episode of the season. Hardly surprising as I'm a Doctor Who fan and it involved time travel. Newbie Squared, where Heidi and Elizabeth finally find out what happened to Babylon 4. For realsies this time! Yay! We start off with a nice scene of the three main humans at breakfast when Sinclair decides to pull a prank on Susan. Of course, Garibaldi goes along with it. Interestingly enough, even though he's the ringleader, Sinclair accurately predicts Ivanova will blame Michael. <laughs> it was a total setup. They had that whole thing planned. <laughs> yeah. Next, we get yep, to a disturbance right. in Sector 14. The lone pilot, Alpha 7, I guess the first six were busy, <laughs> goes to investigate, but his inside ages to death. I guess his outsides were left intact. He can't record a message, but he's able to etch B4 onto his belt buckle. When Ivanova hears the two characters B4, she assumes it to be a reference to Babylon 4. That always annoyed me. If I heard someone say B4, I'd ask, before what? <laughs> Moments later, we find out that Sector 14 is where the prior station disappeared to, and they're getting messages supposedly from the Babylon 4. I just think they should have avoided the buckle bit entirely and just skipped this part. Yeah. For some reason, Sinclair's line, something fatal happened and I want to know what, cracks me up. I don't know why, it just does. <laughs> <laughs> We're told by Major Kranz that Babylon 4 was caught in a flux. That got me to thinking, a dangerous thing. I figured out what caused the station to move through time. Babylon 5's brown sector is used for habitation and commerce and contains manufacturing, maintenance, and waste reclamation for the station. It was clearly named for Doc Emmett Brown, inventor of the flux capacitor, which as any fan of Back to the Future can tell you, allows time travel. So it's very simple. Now back to the story. <laughs> well, why did I think of that? Of course. The command staff decides to rescue the remaining crew and workers before something even more fatal happens. Garibaldi gets fixated on putting on pants. 
<laughs> do most people fasten and then zip? Now I want to know. <laughs> I think we've we've talked about that quite in depth, and now we should move on. Um, meanwhile, somewhere in deep, deep space, Delenn has been selected to lead the Grey Council, but, but despite her despite her protestations. Wow. I don't know why, but that's a mouthful. That isn't her calling. We know the real reason. She doesn't want to leave her husband, Commander Jeffrey Sinclair. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Speaking of Jeff, he gets a vision of the future where Garibaldi has rigged the station reactors to explode. It seems to be keeping in line with the prediction shown in Signs and Portents, where B-5 has been destroyed. Perhaps it's the only way to prevent it from being taken. Next, we meet Zathros, one of my all-time favorite characters on the show. To this day, my wife and I quote him mostly saying, Not the one, or you have a destiny. I got to meet the late Tim Coyote. I don't know. Um, he looked so normal out of costume. So he's passed away too? Yes, I forgot to mention that. My goodness. Fortunately. Then Sinclair touches a glowing stranger in a 2001 Space Odyssey spacesuit. Anyone familiar with Doctor Who will recognize the Blinovich limitation effect. Zathras is asked what, for me, is a very strange question. Are you willing to die to steal the station? To be fair, it's a very nice, expensive station, and people risk their lives stealing a great deal less. Then Major Kranz decides that a dead alien is the only proof of what happened, because certainly no one else could possibly confirm his story. We also have another flashback, this time Garibaldi breaking up with Lise. They must have filmed her scene when they shot the previous episode. Delenn leaves, is given one of a triad of triluminaries, and decides she'll never return. At the end, the suited stranger removes his helmet to reveal an aged Sinclair, 10 or 20 years older, with a scar on his cheek. The implication is that he and Delenn, that was clearly her voice, yes it was, stole B4 after B5 was destroyed by Garibaldi. Despite a few nitpicks, I give this my first nine missing or destroyed stations. Favorite human, just to mix things up, Major Kranz. <laughs> okay. An alien. <laughs> no other than Zathras. Looking hey. forward to next week. <laughs> As always, Bill W. Somewhere off in the 405 in Los Angeles. Thanks, I, I get you, Bill. Sometimes, you know, you want to give it to somebody other than Sinclair or Ivanova. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, well, I had my uh, self a mute earlier. I was just wondering the feedback from Katrina earlier. Katrina, are you the um, one of the presenters of Verity, a Doctor Who podcast? Because um, if you are, let us know. Because I listen to you guys all the time. Cool. Oh, thanks for all the feedback, everyone. Thank you. Yes, yes thanks like a lot. I uh, just remember that if you want to send us feedback, we love hearing from you. You can send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com or post it in the Facebook group or leave comments on our website or leave us iTunes reviews. Yes, please. Let's see. Now let's do predictions. The name of the next episode is The Quality of Mercy. And our guest is Jason. And Babylon 5 was a really helpful title. I'm not sure. I mean, Babylon Square was a helpful title. I don't know about this one. Uh-uh. Okay, well, I would like to predict that we will see Jakar because we haven't seen him in quite a long time. And the quality of mercy. I am also going to predict that this episode will be sort of standalone because that sometimes happens a lot with the episode right before the season finale. 
Like if they're really busy working on the season finale, the one right before it could just be, you know, something that they just needed some kind of a story. So maybe, I don't know, I can't see Jakar showing mercy really to anyone. So um, he'll be in the episode, but I don't think he'll be the one showing mercy. What do you got, Elizabeth? (sighs) I don't, I can't think of anything. (laughs) Um, I I think probably, yeah, I would hope that Jakar is in this next one. He's been gone for a long time with no explanation. I hope they haven't even said, oh yeah, Jakar's been on Narnia. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I'll I'll go with that. And I I would agree that probably is a standalone episode only, and also because it wasn't even originally supposed to be there. um, Because there was another one that was supposed to be there Uh at the second to last episode. So that would make sense to me. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. I've got nothing with the mercy. It's, it's <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe they don't. I don't did they do executions on, on B5? Like, if somebody does something really bad, maybe they'll show mercy towards them. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe it's up to, like, somebody to make a decision about how they want to handle some slight or some attack or provocation and then they were they're going to go with the most harsh punishment possible but then in the end they choose more lenient punishment i doubt they would do executions on babylon i wouldn't think so but just because of the way it was what it was built for and everything Mm. um maybe we finally get the ruling on the alien versus uh human ombudsman trial (laughs) yes it's in the courtroom (laughs) uh that'd be cute (laughs) So I don't really have anything for that one. But this episode gave you plenty more to talk about, so speculate away, because we've got those more questions. <laughs> okay, I've got... Um, obviously, Babylon 5 will be destroyed, because, <laughs> I mean, we kind of knew that before from that prophecy, but now I think we have definite, um, a very clear picture. Um, so... And these things, like, some of these things seem completely obvious just because of this episode, but I'm stating them anyway. Uh, Sinclair needs Babylon 4 to organize peace during this great war because he needs to bring back together um, some of maybe the ambassadors who are still alive or um, different representatives from the alien races. Um So I think the way that the Great War will begin is kind of going along with what I was predicting last week, that Earth is going to be against all alien races, and Sinclair and Babylon 5 will side with the aliens, and then uh, when Babylon 5 is destroyed, they're all kind of scattered and refugees, and um, so Sinclair needs Babylon 4 to bring them all back together so that they can stop the Great War. That's all. Ooh, I was getting the impression that so they said that the Great War was potentially going to destroy the galaxy, and for some reason that made me think that the force was or the the enemy was external to the galaxy. So it was another race or something that came in from, or that's something they're not used to dealing with that they they now have to deal with. Because um, <clears throat> I would I would hope that Earth doesn't have the capability of destroying the galaxy. Um, especially after that speech that Delenn just gave <laughs> about <laughs> humans uh, and their capacity for whatever being being a good force. 
and um i don't know so i that would be interesting for sure um i do think that they will side you know against some of the whims of earth council but i i at this point can't see earth being such a powerful force that they could be against all the races combined and destroy the galaxy but maybe they get possession of that tool on um epsilon three or something um so that monster or whatever space the, the, spider. yeah this mm-hmm, there's there's a couple different ones right the one in signs importance and then the one with uh caroline That's caroline right. the ones that we couldn't uh tell if they were supposed to be the same thing or not yeah exactly the octopus looking one and um i i for some reason i i just don't I don't think we're going to see all the intervening stuff that goes between now and the future Sinclair, the one, because it's just too much time uh, that that would have passed. Maybe he's really worried. So his hair goes gray really fast. Yeah. He stopped dyeing it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll probably see how he got a scar, at least learn in what battle or conflict he got a scar. But Uh I just don't see us seeing everything that got to that point. Right. Um, Especially not if the storytelling is like season one. Right, exactly. Sorry, you just reminded me of something, actually. There is actually a medical condition that causes people, for people's gray hair to actually go gray overnight. See, there we go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know it can turn somebody's hair white instantly. Mm. Did you guys ever see it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It. It's Clown now Spider. this podcast as well. <laughs> Pennywise! Pennywise. Yay. How many podcasts is it going to spread into? <laughs> I like that. I like that movie, that uh, TV movie. I don't know why. Um, yeah, so I just, I feel like there will be a time jump or something like that before we can get to that point. And... Uh, obviously, we'll probably have to see Delenn using the Triluminary at some point. Yeah. I, I don't know, know why, I but I... What. Yeah. Um, she'll probably come into conflict with the Grey Council again. I just see that happening. And I don't... I just... Yeah. I don't think we've seen the last of, you know, her interactions with the Grey Council. I don't think we've seen the last of them. I just don't see her going back to there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I see her... Yes, having interactions, but I don't think that she'll show up again, like in the circle. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I see that. And uh, I guess, I don't know. I'm sure there are other things that we kind of talked about. Um, I don't know that we're going to see much of Major Krantz, though, uh, in the future. He's, I don't think he was important enough, um, high enough up, and probably not as good of an, F, of an actor, I don't know, to really give him a role going forward. Which is kind of disappointing. I was really hoping that we'd integrate some Babylon 4 people with Babylon 5 and have that sort of transition. And... I do think we'll see Zathras again, though. Yeah. I mean, we have to learn what race they are, right? <laughs> what race is this guy? You know, we haven't... They, nobody knew what kind of race he was, and obviously he becomes a really integral part of what's coming. So, at least maybe we'll we'll find out more about that race. And... Oh, I thought of something, but I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, okay. That's all. Cool. Right, yeah. All right. So, Shane, thank you for coming and being on the show again. Thanks, Shane. No problem, guys. Don't forget to sign up for season two. Yeah. <laughs> Do you already have something in mind? 
I've already got something in mind. Okay. okay. <laughs> so <laughs> just remember to send it, send it in when the time comes. When the time is right. <laughs> well, we know when that time is right, but. <laughs> All right. So he remind us where we can find you. Uh, you can find me on the Red Wolf Introcast. That's talking about the classic BBC comedy program called Red Wolf. We are uh, well doing the books at the moment. We've just recorded the uh, our podcast on the second book um, tonight. Um, actually, today is our two-year anniversary. Ah, cool. Congrats. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. You can also find me on the Oh No You Didn't podcast that can be found uh, com. that is a podcast all about the worst in sci-fi and fantasy oh cool thank you Sweet. oh yeah before I go uh, um, myself when we all go that is <laughs> um, my twitter I've tried to keep it spoiler free since I started this podcast but I might have slipped in some spoilerific things earlier on. I don't tweet that much, so, you know, you can probably see a lot of older tweets quite easily if you scroll down. Just be a bit careful if you're going to follow me. All right. Well, that is all we have for this week, folks. It's so sad to go, but (laughs) we'll see you in one week with the quality of mercy, and until then, take care. Goodbye. Bye. I say goodbye now. Goodbye. Bye. That's the say goodbye. <laughs>